What up, everybody? It's episode 104 of The Genius Life. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Genius Foods, and the best-selling book, uh, The Genius Life, which just came out a couple weeks ago. Um, this episode of the show, I'm super pumped for. It features my good friend, Mr. Jim Quick. Jim is a memory coach to some of the uh, most well-known A-list celebrity actors in Hollywood. He's worked with Fortune 500 CEOs and executives, and he basically helps people learn how to learn better, which is unfortunately something that they don't teach you in school. He also has a brand new book that just came out, um, and it is called Limitless. Upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to go deep into Jim Quick's backstory, what led him to uh, becoming one of the most well-known memory coaches uh, around today. We're going to give you some very actionable and achievable tactics that are going to help you uh, excel more in whatever it is that you do in your life, whether that's in your personal life, whether it's with work, whether that's with school, or even health and fitness goals. We then go into mindset and how you can um, behaviorally adopt knowledge that you've acquired, whether on my podcast, The Genius Life, or others. Jim is not a big believer in the saying that knowledge is power. He thinks that you've got to be able to act um, uh, on, on your acquired knowledge in order to truly step into your power. And so you're going to discover how to do that. And then we talk about speed reading. Jim is a, a well-known speed reader, and he teaches people how to uh, read more efficiently, uh, more quickly, while still comprehending as much as possible. Um, so you're going to get a lot of really, really valuable stuff out of this episode, and I'm psyched for you to listen to it. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Birch Bender's Birchbender's pancake and waffle mixes are delicious and made with clean ingredients featuring specialty varieties for paleo and keto. I personally, um, whenever I am craving pancakes, I love their stuff, you guys. Not made with any weird fillers or fake fibers that are going to bloat the hell out of you, give you all kinds of crazy uh, digestive discomfort. Um, and so when my brothers come over on Saturday, Sunday mornings, we're making pancakes a lot of the time. If you want to check out anything that they uh, sell, you can go to birchbenders.com, get any of their products delivered right to your front door, and they've been gracious enough to offer a sweet discount for listeners of The Genius Life. If you go to birchbenders.com, that's B-I-R-C-H-B-E-N-D-E-R-S.com, and use promo code MAX, you'll get to save 20% off of anything and everything in their online store. I personally... Um, yeah, I will interchange between their keto pancake and waffle mix and their paleo pancake and waffle mix. They're pretty similar. All you got to do is add water. Super easy to make. So if you don't cook, um, you know, like anybody, anybody can make these and they're going to be vastly more uh, healthy um, and you're going to feel vastly more good about eating them than you will your average run-of-the-mill pancake mixes that you'll find in your local supermarkets. So birchbenders.com, promo code MAX, 20% off, baby. Now, before we roll up our sleeves and get to work, I want to give a shout out to iTunes user Really Me Mom of Two, uh, who wrote this lovely review of The Genius Life on iTunes. She wrote, life-changing, gave us five stars too. 
Max, your content is incredible. Your guests are both educational and entertaining. I believe so much in never-ending education, and that is exactly what this podcast is about. I am a forever fan. Thank you for creating a place for us to better ourselves and broaden our minds. Well, really me underscore mom of two, you're going to love this episode for sure, because if there's anything that Jim Quick offers, it is uh, you know a framework with which you can use to better yourself better yourself and literally broaden your mind as he teaches you how to um, learn better and more effectively and read more effectively and efficiently as well. So thank you for taking the time to write that uh, that review for the show and to all you guys out there who've taken the time to rate and review the show. I appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, the Genius Life is quickly rising up the ranks on iTunes, but we need to keep it going. We need you to get out there and to continue to be an advocate for the show. That's the only way that we're gonna grow and allow me to continue to expand to bring you um, better content uh, week after week. And as you guys know, I'm now putting up more than one episode a week. I've been trying to put up bonus episodes every Monday that are COVID-19 related. And the way to support the show is to spread the word about it, to leave that rating and review so that we can continue to grow it. You can also, of course, join my newsletter at maxlugavir.com. Super easy to do, and you can opt out at any time. And you can jump on board my text message community by sending a text message to 310-299-9401. We are rocking and rolling over there. It's a fun little community that we've got going. I uh, respond to as many messages as I can. um, And every week I send out uh, updates. I let you know about can't miss episodes of the show and the like. So again, shoot me a text 310-299-9401. I look forward to connecting with you over there. And um, yeah, that's it. Now, without further ado, I'm pumped to get into my uh, this chat with my good friend, Jim Quick, author of the new book, which you should go and check out and pick up, Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. You can pick it up at uh, what's the website? Limitlessbook.com. Limitlessbook.com. Look at that. So easy. All right, guys, here we go. Here's Mr. Jim Quick. Mr. Jim, Jim Quick, thank you so much for uh, coming to my apartment and uh, rejoining me on nice. The Genius Life. It is so good to be here. Congratulations on uh, your, your book. Thanks so much, man. Uh, to those of you guys who have never heard of Jim Quick before, he's a celebrity brain coach. He's the host of the Quick Brain Podcast, and I'm super excited that he's got his first book, highly uh, anticipated first book coming out, Limitless. Upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. Dude, congratulations. Dude, thank you. Um, I, we were talking before we started recording and just getting tips on, you know, you you. I, I felt like it was incongruent after 28 years of teaching, reading people how to read, not to actually have a book. And I'm always talking about leaders or readers. And I think reading is to your mind what exercise is to your body. And it's so important. So for the first time, I took all that knowledge and wisdom and, and put it into a book. And I, I hope people enjoy it. Dude, it's such a powerful uh, framework. I was saying, you know, before we got, got rolling, that I feel like you and I approached the brain uh, you know, we're both interested in, in optimizing our, our audience's brains, but we approach it from very different angles. Like I'm, to, to borrow a metaphor from Hollywood, you know, when, when there's a movie being made, you have what's called below-the-line talent and you have above-the-line talent. And the below-the-line talent 
it's the director, it's the writer, uh, it's the you know the producers that are all involved. All of the talent that are involved that you don't see when you're actually watching the film that are instrumental for getting the movie made. And then the above-the-line talent, they're, they're the actors. Actually, I think a director is above-the-line talent technically, but uh, you've got the actors and actresses and whatever. And to kind of borrow that metaphor, it's sort of like, you know, I feel like I am interested in like the below-the-line aspects of of optimal brain function, you know, nutrition, metabolism, nutrition, you know, uh, micronutrients, macronutrients, all that stuff. But then what you offer is so valuable. It's, I mean, it's just as valuable. It's, it's, uh, a framework with which to learn, to understand, to manipulate ideas and to spit them back out in a way that is cohesive and coherent. Yeah. It's another metaphor as you're talking about it. I'm thinking about a computer, you know, you have hardware and you have, you have software. And I could teach people the greatest software on how to remember names, how to learn a language, how to read faster, how to study better. Um, but if your hardware is out of whack, you know, biochemistry, your neurotransmitters, you're not sleeping, you know, you're deficient in, in DHA or any of these things, stress management, you have to take care of the hardware and the software. And, um, and so I, I love how we complement each other. And, um, you know, I've had you on my show and, and I've been in your show. It's just, there's good synergy there. So I think, I think we need both. Yeah. It's, you know, it's totally yin and yang. Um, well you, so this book you have, I, I think, I think what, you know, how you've described it and, and, mm-hmm. and it appears to be this really instrumental roadmap for people to get their lives to where they want to be. If they're not currently in a, in a life situation where, you know, where they want to be, it's sort of like. It helps them achieve that. It is. I, I think that we all have this amazing asset um, that you and I are very passionate about, which is the, the human brain. The challenges the human brain doesn't come with an owner's manual. It's not necessarily user-friendly. We're not taught how to apply it in school. And um, I feel like it controls everything in our life, our relationships, you know, our, our habits, our career, um, and, you know, our, our, our movement, everything, and yet um, there's not a lot of emphasis on it. One of the reasons why on social media or on stages, people always see me wear these brain shirts or I'm always pointing to my brain. One of the reasons why is just because what you see, you take care of. You see your hair, you, you style your hair, you brush your teeth, you, you have your muscles, you work them out, your biceps, you know, your clothes, but we don't see this, we don't see our brains. And so it's... You know, when I wear shirts with brains on it all the time, we're always pointing toward my my brain in, in photos with, with, with our students and everything. It's just, hey, you know, just remember to take care of this. You yeah, know, I love that. Love love your brain, and and it's just be conscious. It's going to be in the awareness, and that, which is great because, you know, people see it, you know, in books like like, like these and, and, our, and our podcasts and, and everything, but it's just a nice reminder. And um, when we're talking about this title, Limitless, I chose it purposely because I feel like the ultimate quest that we're all on is is to realize, to be able to re- reveal our fullest potential. That it's, Limitless is not about being perfect. It's about advancing beyond what you believe is possible. And so this book is really, a, it's, a, it's a, a deep dive into where do the limits come from? You know, how are they holding us back? And how can you liberate yourself from these? And I, I talk about a limitless model, which I'll talk about in this conversation. 
that there are three areas that hold us back. And if there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be from your, your current state to your, your desired state, there's a constraint in one of these three areas, if not more. And that's really the purpose that the goal is not to, to shrink our, the possibilities to fit our mind. The goal is to expand our mind to fit all the amazing possibilities. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to having this this conversation. I it really this book, you and I were just talking about it before we started recording. This book was really a methodology book. It was a how-to book. The book completely was everything on how to remember names, how to give a TED talk from you know from from memory without referring to notes, how to how to get straight A's and study better and be an active listener and and read faster and remember what you read and pick up languages. Um, my challenge is there's a difference between, you know, knowing what to do and doing it. And my gripe with the self-help or personal development performance space is there's these, these lies that we've picked up at a very early age that we think are truths. And, you know, I talk about them in the book. A lie for me is a, a limited idea entertained. It's not necessarily a truth. It's just an idea that we give power to. And we entertain it as if it is true. And we never really question where they came from. So one of those lies that I open up with is knowledge is power. We've heard it so much. I've said it myself. And, you know, what we hear on a regular basis, we tend to believe. And it, is it really true? And so I have a methodology for taking people through limiting beliefs and um, eliminating them and then replacing them with something more empowering. So we, we know that just knowing something doesn't make your life better. You know, if that was the case how many people would have more of what they want the perfect we know we know we should be moving we know we should be prioritizing sleep we know the the, the best genius you know foods to be able to eat but how many people are doing it and how many people are doing it consistently and so this book talks about three elements that keep you from employing the things because common sense is not often common practice where knowledge is not power knowledge times action will give you some some massive power especially if it's intelligent action and um, and that's that's really that's really the goal. So you know I could walk people through this this model, and then um, and then go through some of these methods because I know you want to talk about. Last time we talked about memory, like how to build your memory, and things, and then we could talk about the methodology, whether it's speed reading or anything else. Yeah, I would love to go into the model. Um, and I just I love you know lie uh, a limiting idea entertained. I feel like you're really good with these uh, <laughs> mnemonics, you know, like these, these whether, whether they're acronyms or uh, turns of phrase. Um, before we get into the model, which I, which mm -hmm. I definitely want to talk about, um, for listeners who haven't heard your backstory, I mean, you were on the podcast, you know, one time previously, but there were limitations that you had to come in your own life, right, that, that led to you becoming, you know, this statured memory coach that you are today, correct? Yeah, I mean, some people like to, as part of, we don't always want to put energy or thinking. Sometimes we put, we make assumptions and we have these, this sometimes this blindness, um, this cognitive biases when we, we like to put things in, in categories. So sometimes when people see me on stage and I do these demonstrations, you and I speak at different, at, at some, some of the same, same events, I'll do these demonstrations while I'll have 50 people stand up and introduce themselves to the audience and then I'll memorize their names or they'll give me a hundred numbers or words, or, you know, and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I really do this to express to you what's possible. 
because the truth is every single person listening could do that and other things even more it's just we aren't taught and some people automatically when you when people say no i can't do that they're thinking just just be conscious of your 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 current beliefs and what surfaces when i say you can do that and a lot more um like maybe no jim i'm too old or jim you know i have a horrible memory or jim i was i was in special classes and and you know not i'm not that smart you know, I always tell people, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm. And I know it's possible because I grew up with some pretty severe learning challenges. At the age of five, I had an accident. I was in kindergarten class, uh, head trauma. I was rushed to the hospital. But my, my mother after that said I was never the, really the same. Whereas before, I was very energized, very curious. And um, afterwards, I, I shut down. And, you know, my personality changed. Um, but what really was apparent was I didn't learn things. There was like a stop where I was just picking things up and I, teachers would repeat themselves over and over again. I would not under, I would pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand. I had poor focus, poor memory. It took me an extra few years to learn how to read. And I, I taught myself how to read by reading comic books and uh, something about the stories you know, the hero's journey is, is the, this book, Limitless, takes people through a, a hero's journey where, where they are, you know, the, the, the superhero. And I kind of come in as Yoda and kind of, or Mr. Miyagi and kind of mentor them through this process. But the hero's journey is something very specific, but that, that's what comic books were to me. It showed me that there's real hope, there was a real help because I was struggling big time in those formidable years. I remember when I was nine years old, you know, there's a teacher I didn't get the lesson. She was frustrated. And for the whole class, she was like, that's the boy with the broken brain. Oof. And that label became my limit. And when we label things, we have to be very careful, um, especially as you know, parents or adults, you know, your external words become a child's internal words. So every single time I did badly on a test, wasn't picked for sports, I would say, oh, because I have the broken brain. And that was my, my reality. And you know, every, so like we're born with this blank slate, but things got imprinted on us. Um, at that same time, and I know you could relate to this. My 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 parents they um they they work really hard and um, they immigrated here to the states. You know my my parent my dad's uh, parents died when he was thirteen. My 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 grandfather was thirty three years old, heart attack. You know like over you know he didn't he left two uh, two siblings, younger siblings, to come to America with his aunt um, because they couldn't afford to feed him and. You know, we grew up in the back of a laundromat that my mother worked at. Everyone they had multiple jobs, but my primary caregiver was my grandmother. Um, and um, while I was going through these learning difficulties at that that tender age, you know, she had um, she she passed of Alzheimer's. You know, so it was it was, mm. you know, and to watch that at that age, it was just very you know it left an impression and especially stacked on my own you know challenges. Um, that was a heavy subject. <laughs> no, dude, but I mean, thank you for sharing. It's, uh, I mean, needless to say, you, you know, I mean, pe people, people idolize you that come to see you speak, you know, you, you perform all these like feats of memory and, um, I mean, you're, you're a savant, but, uh, I think expressing that vulnerability, I mean, I appreciate it, but it also goes to show you that, you know, we, we all deal with stuff, you know, yeah. like on stage, you're, you're like a memory God, right. But I mean, you've gone through, you've had struggles and, and, you know. And I think our struggles could lead to strengths. I'm sure a number of your listeners can relate to this, that they've went through adversity, but that adversity 
you know, sharpened them and they found meaning, they found a mission, they found clarity, they found a strength that their, that their struggles led to some kind of superpowers. You know, my, my two biggest challenges growing up were learning and public speaking. And that, that's now, all I do. Now, yeah. Now <laughs> you you're know? like a leading expert on learn, on how to learn, how to learn better and more efficiently. And you're a global public speaker. <laughs> speaking on learning which which is insane and so it's like you know the universe has a sense of humor and and you teach actors that play the you know characters that you used to read about in in comic books yeah (laughs) yeah it's everything comes it's interesting that maybe we don't see it at the time so people right now they're going through difficult times my simple advice which is you know it's easy to say and it's not necessarily easy to do but is that difficult times they could define us they could diminish us you know, or they could develop us. You know, ultimately we decide. I put in my book a, a quote um, from a French philosopher. Um, he says that uh, that life is the C between the B and the D. Life is the C between the B and the D. And you're thinking, Jim, what does that even mean? You're speaking in code. B stands, I'll give you people a hint, B stands for birth. So what does D stand for? Death. And C, all of life is choice. You know, it's the choices that we make, like who we're going to spend time with, where are we going to live, what are we going to do, what are we going to put in our bodies, like these little choices that add up to, you know, big decisions and habits. And so, you know, training for so long for these, you know, 28 years, I've realized that genius leaves clues. And there's a reason why some people execute and do things and implement and there are reasons why other people don't and that's the nature of it i've dedicated my life to this because you know when i hit 18 i eventually came up with tools and techniques and these realizations um where you know school didn't necessarily teach you they taught you what to learn what to think what to focus on what to remember but not how to learn or how to think or how to focus or or how to remember things and I always thought that should have been taught in school, this, this, this science of, of learning how to learn, you know, meta-learning, learning how to learn. And so initially this book was just all those uh, techniques and methodology, methods, step-by-steps, because people don't realize you don't have focus. It's, it, we, 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 we fool ourselves, we lie to ourselves with the language. People say, oh, I don't have motivation, or I don't have energy, or I don't have creativity today to make videos or to write. But these aren't, it, it puts you at, at the defense where it's like, these aren't things you have. You like wake up and hopefully, hopefully you have them. These are things you do. These are verbs. You know, when you turn into a verb, what's the benefit? It becomes a process and it gives you your autonomy. It gives you your agency back um, where you have, you have power again. And so um, I realized that, you know, at 18, when I learned all these things, I got very passionate because I changed my life. My grades improved immediately. Um, but with that, I, um, I couldn't help but help other people because I really think the reason why we're here, there, there was this quote in, in the movie Lucy. I quote Matrix and Star Wars, <laughs> and, you know, because like, I, I, you know, that's where I go to, you know, escape, especially as a child. I, I would escape in comic books or video games and I would spend time with all these, you know, all the nerds and the geeks and only because they had the same interest, comic books and video games and Dungeons and Dragons. But, um, the only difference that was different was that they had all the great grades and I wasn't. And if I, if I did well in any subject, it's only because of osmosis, you know, I would get study help. But the reason I bring this up is I remember another incident that I've, I don't talk about. It's um, 
like all my friends, they, they, in school, they created a group where uh, they called it uh, more able student program, MASP. Hmm. And this was for the ex exceptional kids. And that's why they, they, they were the words exceptional. And I was the only one in that clique that then wasn't invited, hmm. you know, and at that age, you know, it's one of those things where you, you are kind of defined even now by the people you spend time with and our social networks. And, um, and so me, I find another friend who wasn't invited, who was also on the, the other side of the bell curve. And we created a group opposite of MASP. It was LASP, Less Able Student Program. Oh, man. And, that, that's, and it sounds funny, like, saying it out loud, but that was my mindset back then, that there's these groups that they're more able to do stuff. And there's the exceptional kids. So even when I talk about unlocking this exceptional life, I believe that all of us could be exceptional. It's just we weren't taught. It's the equivalent of going to somebody, a kid, and saying, focus or study. It's like the, they don't know how. Like It's like going to a kid and saying, play the piano who's never taken a lesson on, on piano, right? Or play yeah. the violin. And, but we do this stuff all the time. We're like, you know, listen or concentrate, you know, and learn this. But we weren't, we weren't taught. And um, I feel like that was a big gap in our education. And it's not a, a slight against teachers. My, my mother... You know, she she became a school teacher, an elementary public school teacher, to help me. She, you know, she didn't know, so she made it a focus. You know, to be able to help her kid, and it's just you know. So, but it's just teachers are some of the most caring, compassionate, you know, committed people who are underpaid. Mm. Um, and it's a system issue. You know, the system hasn't changed. Just like the healthcare system, the food industry, pharmacy. you know, things are things are incentivized the way that they're incentivized and so you know i create this podcast you know these videos these social media these books to be able to have a ground ground up approach you know give people an opportunity to turn their power back on and you know i started to help people because i couldn't help but help people because i think the formula is you learn um going back to this movie lucy um you know uh scarlett johansson is starting to unlock more levels of her brain, right? More, more percentage, and that's a lie. Like we actually all use all our, all our brain, right? But just you know, in, in, in entertainment world, the and that was another lie that I cover in, in the book, um, you know, dispelling these lies because we have all access to all of this right now. It's just some people use their brains more efficiently than other people, meaning just like everyone uses their, all 100% of their body, right? Which is you know, their brain is part of it, but just some people, their body is just you know much more effective and fit and could do remarkable things because of practice deep work training and so on and your brain is the same thing and but, but in there she's unlocking these levels and she goes to this professor who's you know an expert on the brain and human potential and it's played by morgan freeman and he was like and she was like what's the point of all this you know, like why what why i have this gift what do i do with it and he was like you know he thought about it he was like you know at a base level when cells replicate, it's to pass on information, you know, to pass on what is learned. And, um, and I feel like that's why we're here. So we learn so we can earn, we get that treasure, but then we return, we bring that elixir, just like, you know, the treasure elixir back in the hero's journey to the world, just like Neo did in the matrix. He comes back to the matrix and says, Hey, you know, whatever your agenda is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to show these people what they're, what's really possible you know, independent of your rules and, and your limits, if you will. So I started to teach other people. And one of my very first students, I mentioned this on your, the last time I was on your show, she's a freshman in college. She read 30 books in 30 days. Mm. God's truth, 30 books in 30 days, not skim or scan. She really read it. 
and I wanted to find out not how I taught her how, and we're, we could talk about some of those strategies in this conversation. I want to know why, you know, human motivation, because most people don't do not do that. And I found out her her mother had terminal cancer, was only given a couple of months to live, and she was the books she was reading were books like you know all the science journalist work that you've done, you know, like she's reading books on how to save her mom's life, mm. you know, and you know with that motivation, I mean that person's unstoppable, and. Um, and I find out six months later, she calls me up crying, and I find out their tears of joy. You know, her mother really served to survive and attributed it to the great advice she got from her daughter, you know, because there was enough time, you know, upstream to do that. And and I just, I realized that, that knowledge is not only power, you know, that if it is, learning is your superpower. And it's a superpower we all have. And that I've dedicated my life since then, 28 years later, teaching people how how to upgrade their brain and learn anything faster and really then be and be exceptional. That's such an amazing story. Let's talk about like motivation just a little bit because I mean, I think motivation is so powerful, but it's also like a fair weather friend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you you definitely alluded to that, but like motiv- mo- we shouldn't, ha- we shouldn't rely on motivation. We yeah. And, and here's, here's the thing. So here's my take on it. Um, as I started analyzing and we have a lot of data because we have students in a, we publish five programs, flagship programs, you know, speed reading, memory, and so on online. So we have students in 195 countries. Um, you know, I've, I teach at, at Harvard, Singularity, Caltech, a lot of, lot of feedback. And when I dissect this, motivation is, is part of it, but I, I look at motivation in a different way because um, I want it sustainable. Right? I don't want it a warm bath where people have to go to a seminar, get hyped up, or listen to a podcast, <laughs> and they're rah-rah, and it's, it just fades, and they have to get excited again and pump themselves up again. I, I, I think that, that's not, that excitement is very different than people who are just you know, driven right? naturally because it's integrated who, who they are. So the limitless model is based on um, three parts. And you can imagine everyone listening to this uh, Venn diagram. So three intersecting circles, and this is really the keys to be able to, to reach and realize more of our potential or to reach our goals and dreams. Usually if, there's, if you're not living there or making progress, there is a constraint in one of these three areas. And the purpose of the book is to redraw those boundaries and borders. So three circles intersecting. The first one is mindset. So it's mindset, motivation, and methods. And of course, they have to alliterate because I just have to make it memorable. <laughs> um, so three M's, mindset, motivation, and methods. Now, initially, again, this book was all about methods, but few people do anything they're supposed to do, right? We could repeat over and over again how important it is to move every day and do your deep breathing or take or do your cold therapy, whatever it is journal, meditate, you know, but people don't do it, but they know the method, right? And even if they don't know the best method, they know they should be doing something, <laughs> right? Um, but so what, what, what comes first for me is mindset and really mindset, motivation and methods. It's really head, hard hands, right? The mindset is what's going on in your head. The um, motivation is the feelings, um, you know, in your heart. And then the last M methods is like, what are you doing? implementing with your hands, right? And so you need all three of those aligned. But going back to the mindset, mindset for me are the assumptions and attitudes we have about the world and ourselves. You know, and this is functional. This is not necessarily Webster's d- definition of it. But when I think about mindset, I'm thinking about how we f- think the world works, 
how what we think we're capable of, what we feel we deserve, what we think is possible. You know, would fall fall under under mindset. Now, where mindset touches and crosses over with motivation, motivation for me is is having purpose. Really, at a base level, motivation. The formula that I use for motivation is three parts. Motivation equals purpose times energy times small, simple steps. And I'll say this again for people to visualize or to write down. It's motivation is this, these three, three elements. You need a purpose or a reason. Not a life purpose. I'm talking about a reason to do something. You need energy to fuel that. And then you need a small, simple step. And the reason why I say small, simple step is a lot of people... This, motivation for me, you know what it is? It's about energy management. People do time management all the time. Motivation is about energy sustainable energy so you don't have to pump yourself up with somebody outside or listen to a you know whatever it is um so for this when you're listening to it um when you're asking purpose or finding a reason why to remember someone's name why to study that material like like this this young woman who read 30 books in 30 days she didn't have to push herself to do that because she had her clear purpose right but a lot of people do not they'll read something get to the end and forget what they just read because they have no reason to read it right you think about I believe reasons reap results, you know, and when you think about school, what was the reason to learn sine, cosine, tangent, hypotenuse, X, these random historical dates from, you know, a bunch of people that are in our past, you know, the periodic table, like if you didn't have a reason, you probably don't remember that to this day, right? Because reasons, if you don't have a reason to remember someone's name, you know, you're probably not. And notice this, you, you don't forget all names. The names you remember are probably people you're motivated because you have a reason. You're attracted to that person, right? That person would be good for your business or whatever. They stand out. So reasons first. That's purpose. Then you need energy because I could, and 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 here's the thing. You know, our friend, uh, I saw this conversation with Tom Bilyeu, and he works out every morning at 5 a.m. And, and, and if you ask him, he's like, I hate working out. And the, the presupposition is that if you're motivated, you love that activity. But that's not true. Like you don't. I I, I take like I've been doing this Wim Hof. I met Wim seven years ago when I interviewed him. We were speaking at an event. It was like what well, must have been one of his early early talks. And I I hate the cold, but I I still occasionally do these these cold baths, and I hate it. <laughs> you know, especially you and I were by coastal between New York and everything. And this time it's yeah, I hate it, but I do it because I have a reason. You know, and because I've traveled, I have all this inflammation, and it just resets my nervous system. But I'm clear about my reason. Now, people could have a reason, but they still don't do it because the second part of that is besides purpose, you need energy. Like you could have a reason to read 30 books in 30 days, but if you are just you didn't sleep the night before, you know, you've been eating junk, crap, junk food, or which is not really a, there's junk and there's food, right? That's the whole <laughs> idea. If you're not eating food that energizes you, or you're taking your you know, you have, you're with energy vampires or stealing energy, that's going to affect whether or not you're going to do that activity. And you can have all the reasons, but if you didn't sleep and you're not energized, you have stress, um, it's going to affect. So you need to optimize your energy. So, you know, I give um, strategies, you know, in this book to optimize our, specifically our brain energy. And I, and I reference, you know, your amazing work uh, with Genius Foods and, and supplementation, everything. And then finally, if you have those things, what would I'm asking what would keep someone from being motivated? Because motive for action, it ends with action. You know, someone's motivated to the degree they're taking action, right? That's the evidence or the proof. Maybe they have a purpose, a reason. Maybe they have the energy. But if they're still not taking action, I'm thinking, what stops them? And in my mind, they're making things too big. 
you know, the analysis paralysis. They mm. want things to be perfect, right? Or they're saying, oh, yeah, I want to start a business. And it's so like, like break, break that down a little bit. Or I want to have the, this amazing body or whatever it is. But it's not about being perfect again. It's about the, the incremental progress, the small, simple steps. So here I take, you know, con, like research done, you know, by, by some of our peers, you know, James Clear, Habit Design, uh, Dr. B.J. Fogg. You know, the, the idea where you're taking small, simple steps where you cannot fail. What's the smallest task you could do to move you towards that outcome, that goal, make positive progress? And, and the reason why going back to energy management is it requires very little energy and effort to do so, right? And then my goal is there's this thing in, in memory psychology it's called the Zygarnik effect. A psychologist who in Europe would notice that waiters and wait staff would remember everyone's order until they were delivered. And the psychonic effect is basically the mind doesn't like open loops that if you start something, you know, that's, that's how Netflix and, you know, that's why you binge watch everything because they open up a loop and they build tension and you have to watch one more and then one more and one more, you know, starting something somewhere leads greatly increases the probability of you completing that task. Um, so start somewhere, anywhere that makes some kind of power, progress. So that's motivation. Now, here's the thing. If you take mindset and where it overlaps with motivation, then that's the area I call inspiration. You know, something you have to write that mindset and inspiration. And we know inspirational speakers. We know inspirational books and quotes that are on social media and Instagram. That's where mindset meets motivation. Now, the challenge, though, is... People, if you have the right mindset and you believe everything is possible, that you're capable of it and you deserve it, and you have motivation, you have drive to be able to complete that thing. The problem is if you don't have the third M, which is the methods, then you don't know what to do. Or you're going to default to something you are programmed to do. So in the case of learning, it's rote repetition. That's the method. You know, you learn something by repeating it 50 times over and over and over again. Or where it comes to reading, one of the big obstacles to effective reading is something called subvocalization. That's a fancy word. Subvocalize it means that inner talk. You know, when you're reading something, you hear that inner voice inside you reading along with you. Hopefully, it's your own voice. It's not like somebody else's voice <laughs> in there. The reason why it's a challenge is if you have to say all the words in order to understand them, that means your reading speed is limited to your speaking speed. Mm. That means you're you can only read as fast as you could talk, you know, but we know we could think a lot faster. Positive proof, how many people listening to this listen to our shows at 1.5 or 2x, they can understand it, they just can't talk that fast. Now, do you need to say the words that fast in order to understand them? The truth is we don't. Like when I'm going through Genius Life right now and I'm reading this, where your brain is concerned, exercise is a must. These are words, how many times have I seen these words before? I mean, countless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Countless times. And so you don't have to say a word, words like New York City to understand what New York City is, right? Because you've seen they're what they call sight words. We found that about 95% of all the words you come across through your texts, through your emails, business plans, whatever you're reading, 95% of them you've seen before. And so you don't have to repeat those words every single time because we don't learn. It's like a saying words like, comma and period <laughs> and semicolon you don't say those those any more than a lot of the words here as there because the there like these are 
they're filler words, right? And so you don't have to say all the words. Now, I'm not saying subvocalization is all bad. You'll always say the words that you need to pronounce. You're coming across new terms that you haven't heard before. But to the degree, like John F. Kennedy was a very fast reader. He was said to have read about 800 words a minute, if not more. And he was said to have read six newspapers every morning with one cup of coffee. Can you imagine one cup of coffee getting through six newspapers? It's insane. For most people, it's the opposite. They need like six cups of coffee. Together one newspaper. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. And so, so the challenges with this, and we'll talk about how to hack this, is that, you know, he, he, maybe he gave a speech at 250 words a minute. That's the average speaking speed, right? But if he could talk at 250 words a minute, but read at 800 or 1,000 words a minute, we know there are probably 500 plus words a minute he's not speaking. Right. And so it's just like saying you see a stop sign, you're driving, you see a stop sign. I guarantee you nobody says to themselves stop, you know, but do you comprehend exactly what it means? Of course. But we weren't we weren't trained to do that. But it was a bad it was a but we learned it just like the mindset, the, the negative self-talk. Jim is, you know, I have a broken brain or I'm not smart enough. I'm not I'm gonna X, fill it up, fill in the blank. Just like how that was imprinted on us. Our learning was imprinted on us, meaning that we were reading, learning how to read. We had to read out loud because teachers needed to know you were pronouncing the words, you know, well, phonetically. Um, and then later, the teacher probably got tired of all the kids reading out loud and said, read quietly to yourself or read silently to yourself. And that's where you took that external voice and you internalize it. And it's been there ever since, you know. And so the last time we took a reading class was, what, five, six years old, seven years old. But the difficulty to man has increased a lot since then. You know, but we still read it how we last were trained to do it. And so the methods is basically people either default to method to not doing anything, even if they have the mindset and the motivation, they don't know what to do, or they employ a method. And this could be applied not just to learning. This could be applied towards anything. This could be applied towards sales. People have the right mindset, the right, they're motivated, but they're using you know, poor sales techniques or poor marketing tactics. You know what I mean? Um, and so if there's a gap, again, if you know the genius foods and you want to unlock this genius life, my, my suggestion is to take these tactics and run it, th run, it, run it through this model here. Because where, let's say you don't have the mindset, but you have motivation, where motivation crosses over with methods, you have a second eye where, where mindset and motivation, I'm purposely saying this so people could draw it because then they'll learn it better. If, but the first circle is mindset. Where that crosses over with motivation, you have inspiration. Mm -hmm. But let's take the mindset out and you put in a third circle um, and you put in methods. Where motivation and methods cross over, the second I, the first one was, impl uh, was inspiration. The second I is implementation. Hmm. Motivation, you're, you have the drive to do it. You have the energy. You have the reasons, right? And you know what to do, the methods. Now, why, why is it a challenge? Why does that still keep you limited? Because if you don't have the mindset, you're going to only be able to accomplish as much as you feel like you're capable of or you think that you deserve, right? Because you can be motivated but do the method. But if you feel like, no, you know, I'm only worth this much money or I'm only this smart, your mindset is like a thermostat and whatever you're setting it at is, is, is what you could accomplish, right? And that's why it's so important to, you know, to unwrap that you know that that challenge and then finally if you have the mindset and the methods but not the motivation you have the third eye where you have inspiration implementation where it's mindset and method you have ideation and the ideation is basically you're just keeping it in your head right you have the right mindset everything is possible and you know what to do but you're still not doing it because you're lacking the motivation 
you're lacking the drive, you're lacking the reasons, like you're lacking the energy, that whole formula there. Now, where all three of them come together, you know, that's the sweet spot. That fourth eye is the eye of integration, integration, where it's not, you have the inspiration, you have the implementation, you have the ideation, you're very smart about, it, you know, what's possible, where all three of them converge, where all three M's converge, you have integration. And for me, that's the limitless state. That's, that's, the, that's the promise of this book, specifically geared towards accelerated learning, because that, that's, my, that's my field. And it's kind of like um, the movie, Limitless, right? The television show, Bradley Cooper, uh, Robert De Niro. You know, he was a struggling writer. You know, you could tell he had very low energy. He wasn't very motivated. He hasn't written anything for months. You know, his place is a mess. You know, he wasn't making any money. And then he takes his pill, and all of a sudden... Everything changed. His mindset, his level of motivation, it was this whole surge, and he knew exactly what to do, when to do it, and, and he was in that kind of state. And my thing is, there's no pill. Um, our friend Dr. Mark Hyman wrote the forward, and in it he was like, there's no pill, but Jim, but Jim gives you the process. You know, like, he'll give you the process of how to get these things without the side effects. And, um, and that's, that's, that's the nature of it. Dude, it's amazing. Um, is there anything that over the course of writing the book that that surprised you? Yeah. So I, this was a, you know, I had my I had my team. You know, the content was very straightforward for me because you know I've that's the nature of you know the of, of our of our work and our and our deep work. So putting it together was was is you know a handful of of months. You know, it was a process though because to make things explicit. You know, I wanted it so that if people found this book when they're walking down the street in Sunset or Central Park or wherever they are in the world, that they, regardless if they had any connection with me or knew who I was or had any support, you know, on it, um, that they could go, if they, if they read it, that they would be able to accomplish these things, you know, the promise of the book. So I guess part of it is that there's a different process for reading than there is for writing, hmm. which, I'm, which I'm sure... You know, everybody has a different process, but for me, I had to, everything was, it's not about time management, it's really about priority management. I wanted to make sure I wrote a little bit every single day, you know, around the times that I was, could be really focused. And I applied the, what I was writing about, I think the best teachers are the best students. I applied everything here to be able to get it done in a very, the manner in which I got it, because I wanted the book to come out at a certain time before the summer, before the election and hmm, everything yeah. else with the crazies <laughs> that will be there because where, where people's attention will be. So I want to make sure I gave it its fair due. Um, but I realized that I didn't have a writing process, you know, where all my other, you know, accelerated learning was always taking information in. And while I'm, you know, I enjoy teaching, uh, it's a different modality than teaching on video or on stage than the printed word. Hmm. You know, a lot of what I do is I reference back. We give a lot of free gifts with this. So not only do I teach them how to remember names, but I put a link in there for the people to watch me do it in real time, you know, like on video where I take, you know, people in a live audience and bring them on stage and teach them how to remember their names. So a lot of it was a little bit more interactive because there's, you know, what you could do in print. Yeah. Um, the, w with the speed reading and the, and the sub vocalization, mm -hmm. I mean, is there, do you, so you have in the book, I'm assuming like ways to get out of that habit yeah. of sub vocalization. Yeah. This, this book is really about habit design. Um, throughout the entire book, when I talk about small, simple steps, from the very beginning, I have these things called quick starts. And I believe, again, that knowledge is not power, that the evidence that we know something is behavior, right, is behavioral change. 
And so that, that's really the nature of the work. So part of it is I embed throughout the entire book, you know, every couple of pages, a quick start, something they could do in 60 seconds. It doesn't take a lot of energy or effort to be able to, to move forward in these areas. So in sub-vocalization, you know, one of the things I mentioned that keep us reading, so I want everyone to think about a book that's been, you know, sitting there and an embarrassingly long period of time. <laughs> and I think everyone, people have to realize that the habit of buying books you know, that, that competency or that ability to buy books is very different than having the ability to read those books. <laughs> and some people are just very skilled at buying books that sit on their shelf and, you know, just the, you know, surround themselves. And, and I'm one of those people, like I, I, I still like going to bookstores, you know, traditional bookstores, like supporting, especially local stores. And I think all of them should come with shopping carts. Cause I just, I just go crazy there. <laughs> Um, when I didn't have any money, it was kind of crazy when I first learned these skills. Cause you know, it was, I would go to the bookstore and I would, I would actually sit down get some tea and I would read the book and I would look up and, the, and I would finish it. And I would put it back on the shelf yeah. and it wasn't, it was just one of those things that was, um, it's a, it's a useful skill to have. But when it comes to sub vocalization, um, there are certain things you could do to reduce sub vocalization. We'll always sub vocalize. Even I sub vocalize when I start reading slowly and it's not about reading everything People don't, we average about 300% reading increase um, after a 30-day period. Wow. And so, and this is with the same or better comprehension. And only because it's possible. Like when I say that this limitless model, there's either a limit in our mindset, a limit in our motivation, or a limit in the methodology we're, we're learning. There's so much room for improvement for somebody who's never worked out before. You know what I mean? You get the big gains, yeah. you know, early. Um and then you refine it, but then they're diminishing, diminishing returns. But you'll get a lot of that up front because there's, there's room to expand. Um, so, but the, the myth is that faster readers have less comprehension. But it's, it's, not, it's not true. In general, the faster, faster readers have better comprehension because they have better focus. Hmm. Meaning that your brain is this incredible supercomputer, metaphorically. You know, it, but we feed this supercomputer when we read. We feed it one word at a time you know metaphorically we're like even when i started now i'm from new york originally so i can't even talk that slow <laughs> but if i if i did like people's mind would where would they go they would start they would be listening they would get distracted they would start thinking about other things their mind would wander they would they would fall asleep you know they would turn it off like but isn't that what happens those same symptoms when you're reading don't you start falling asleep? Don't you start losing your focus? Don't you start mind wandering and, and losing, getting easily distracted? It's because you're reading too slow. It's like if you don't give your brain the stimulus it needs, it'll seek entertainment elsewhere hmm. in the form of distraction. And so it's like, it's like driving here today. You know, If you're going like really slow, 20 miles an hour through a neighborhood, you're not really focused on driving. What are you doing? You're, you know, you're singing, you're, you're drinking, you're, you're, you know, you're green juice, you're texting, even though you shouldn't, you know, the other day on the four or five, I saw, I saw somebody like literally shaving, Oh my you know, God. like, you know what I mean? Cause when you're going slow, you could be doing all this stuff. Yeah. Now let's say you're racing cars, pedal to the metal, taking hairpin turns. Do you have more or less focus? Way more. Yeah. What do you focus on? You're focused on the act of driving and where you're going. You know, and that that's you're not thinking about dry cleaning. You're not you're not getting distracted. You're not trying to text or do any of those things. You're completely focused on the act. Same with reading. When when you're reading faster, you're just focused on the act of reading and what's in front of you. You don't have your mind doesn't have time to think about the other stuff. And so that's one lie, 
a limited idea entertained, a myth that's spread around probably by slow readers, that faster readers have less comprehension because it's not true. And the reason I take care of this mindset up and address the truth up front is because if you won't do the method if you believe you're going to lose comprehension. You know what I mean? So it's all that's how the that's how it works. This model actually becomes a framework for look self-reflection. If you're not doing something in area, where's my limit? Is it in my mindset, my beliefs, what I think I deserve, or my motivation, my purpose? Am I, do I have enough energy here? Am I breaking down the small steps so it's not overwhelming? You know, or is it the method? Is it this is antiquated? Is this dated? Is this the best technique or or, or tool that I have access to? And it also becomes a framework for role modeling other people. Because when I'm talking to people who are excellent in a certain area, I'll find out what's their mindset. You know, what are their beliefs? You know, and, and what their, when their motivation, what are they valuing here that I'm not valuing? That's making them drive so much. What are they doing in terms of their routines that's giving them energy or, or helping them to find their purpose in that act? Or how are they breaking down? What are the small, simple steps that they're doing that I'm not doing? to get the result. And then the methods is small, simple steps added up become a method, hmm. right? And so these little tasks become uh, a process. And so what's the overall process um, to be able to do these things? Um, and so I, I, I think I focus on learning because I feel like if you can learn how to learn, then you could apply it towards Mandarin, martial arts, music, management, marketing, anything else you want to learn get, gets a lot easier. But going back to the, the reading faster, one of the things that helps reduce subvocalization is just going back past this threshold that's uncomfortable. At about, I call it the subvocalization threshold. At about 400 words a minute, you can't speak that fast. Hmm. Like a, a good friend of mine, we share the same birthday. She's the Guinness Book of World Records fastest hum female talker. What? She broke it the the record on Larry King. Wow. And she spoke 603 words in one minute. Damn. Uh, like like let like people can understand what she's saying. You know What's what her mean? name? Her name's Fran Capo, and um, gotta, it's probably if we can so, like find it on YouTube. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, she she she's out there, and so six hundred six hundred three words a minute. That's ten words a second. Damn. Can you imagine being in a relationship with this woman? <laughs> <laughs> the fight is like over before it you know it even begins. I know. But she can't read any faster than six hundred words per minute if she have to, if you have to say the words. So again. While we teach people starting at 200 words to get to 400, 600, 700, or more, I mean, there is a limit, though, right? Because then you get into skimming and scanning, right? Because some of the claims that are out there, it's, I just, I haven't seen, I haven't been able to replicate that myself, much less teach somebody how to be able to do that. But we have room, you know, to, and it also depends on what you're reading, because you could read something light fiction very differently than something that's more technical yeah. or science-based. So my goal for everybody is that they have flexibility because flexibility equals power. It's like when you're playing golf, you don't play with one golf club, right? You have, you have, you have, you, you have var variables, right? And variants. So you could, you could find the tool that suits you the best. So some things you might want to read at 300 words a minute, but some things you under, you have background, you have schema and that things like, you know, with, with your background and deep work, you could go through books, you know, about nutrition, you know, about gut health faster than the average person could yeah. do it, even if you're not using a technique because you have background context. Um, so not everybody reads the same, you know, pace. And so give yourself permission to slow down when you need to. Something's more technical, you need to, and also it depends on your outcome because some people could read something really fast because they're out, they're looking for something very specific. Right, and so understand that it, there it changes, and to reduce subvocalization, 
there, first of all, push yourself to read faster. And there are exercises in the book specifically on how to do that, reading tests and stuff like that. And then also, there are things that you could do to interrupt that pattern. If saying the words inside your mind is what's slowing you down, then say something else. Meaning that a lot of people don't remember what they read because they're having a conversation in their mind. I'm not saying that. Some people are talking to themselves saying, is this really working? Or it has nothing to do with the book. Right. And you can't listen to two conversations at once, once what, what you're reading, what you're saying to yourself. But the other thing is you could break, interrupt the pattern by something physical. Like some people, I'm not recommending this, <laughs> um, they move their lips when they read. You could actually see them um, move their lips. And so interrupting that pattern like chewing gum instead or, or biting on their knuckles, not that that's very sanitary. <laughs> it interrupts the physical pattern, right, of the habit. Or doing something um, simple like counting. If you're reading something and just and you're saying to yourself as you're reading, instead of me reading about parabens function as a preservative and so on in your book here, what I would do is I would read it still, but then I would count. I would go one, two, three, four, five, Six and it's kind of interesting because the first time you do it, transparency, you're going to be really confused, <laughs> right? But after a while, you're gonna you're you're saying the words because if you're saying the words, you can't possibly be, if you're saying the numbers, you can't possibly be saying the words that are in the book, right? Right. And so it interrupts the pattern, and then after a while, when you're saying it, you're not going to have to focus on that those numbers because you're going to get habitualized to it, much like. You know, like you're visiting friends and they have kids in the other room and they're like screaming, like, you're like don't you hear what? They're? Like, no, we kind of tune them out. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're saying these, these numbers, eventually what's happening, you're interrupting the pattern of your subvocalization and you just start focusing on the words, right? And these are just like little pattern interrupts because whatever you do consistently is what you're reinforcing. If you're saying the words, you're reinforcing saying the words, for example. But I would say a combination of pushing yourself to read past the threshold where you can't possibly say the words and then your mind's always looking for these shortcuts your mind's always looking for shortcuts and so it'll start to mitigate saying some of the the filler words that we talked about of there the because uh um, and then you'll start focusing and then you'll be able to read with greater efficiency and not that you want to speed read everything again it always goes back to your purpose some things i want to read it for the enjoyment of hearing you know, the prose. Exa exactly. Yeah. Um, or something that's more technical, I really want to understand it. But for a lot of the stuff that we read, you know, the tens of thousands of words a day that we come across in general, we, we don't have that kind of need. You know, our goal is to get through our work, to learn something. If you're a journalist, do your research, get your, your, your attorney, be able to come up with the, the, the main ideas, um, and, then, and then act on it. Dude, so great, man so powerful you know what's funny when i um i'm a i'm a slow reader and i have always struggled with with reading unless i'm highly uh motivated you know to use mm -hmm. one of your methodologies um and so you know after after my mom got sick and i began reading all these medical textbooks and things like that i've never read so much in my life you mm -hmm. know as i have read in the over the past 10 years like all through high school college even elementary school i always struggled to read pretty much anything because yeah. i just was not motivated and, but and as a, yeah, well, as a, I was going to say, as a, as a writer, it's funny because um, I know when I'm writing well, when I, like, I, I actually, after writing, I have to read what I've written out loud because good speaking is good 
writing. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if, if you've written something and it sounds good coming out of your mouth, right. um, then you know that you've written well because writing shouldn't be any different than like how you would normally speak colloquially. Yeah, I can appreciate that. And we're, we're gearing up to, yeah, but as I'm reading it, potentially for an audio book or yeah. something like that, I want to make sure it sounds like how I would, I would have a conversation with somebody, yeah. which makes a lot of difference. Going back to the the research you were doing, you know, for your mother, it's like the motivation. It was just it was it was there because you you get clarity of of a purpose. And again, I'm not talking about necessarily a whole life purpose, but I'm just saying you were clear about the reason you were doing it. And my thing is, a lot of people when it comes to motivation, a lot of people aren't motivated about something because they're not clear of the rewards and the reasons behind it. You know, or even if they know it intellectually, they're not allowing themselves to feel it and get fully associated you know, to that. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I had, um, I had issues with my sleep, you know, for years, for as long as I've known you. And and before I have severe sleep apnea, which is like a physiological obstruction. Um, I found later found out because I've got my whole family tested, my brother, my sister, my parents, they all have sleep apnea, Mm. like obstructive. Um, and so, you know, and then after I had the surgery, it's still, you know, especially this kind of lifestyle, traveling to four different continents over the past couple of months and time zones and jet lag, it, it affects things. And so that's why, you know, I do a lot on in this in this book on optimizing what I've done to optimize my sleep. But when you have a finite, when you feel like you have a finite amount of energy, you know, just like the gift from my learning challenges, my challenges with public speaking, um, my, my challenge with my sleep, I was thinking like, what's, where's the gift in this? And like, that's part of my mindset. And when people are going through difficult times, like where, where's, where, where's the, the light in this? And I made me think it made me, first of all, the gift was not sleeping was I got really good at what I teach because all I'm doing in my podcast or in this book is reporting what I do. It's not, it's not theoretical. It's like what I depend on because I won't be able to perform, do the things I need to do without it. And, um, and I believe the life you live are the lessons you teach. So that's why I'm really, the importance of of congruency, you know, of integration, of of being the person. Um, And then the other gift that came out of it was I don't overcommit. And this is just a suggestion to everyone listening, if to to the people that came to listen to this for this one idea, is I feel like a lot of people don't have the energy, going back to energy and motivation, because they're overcommitting to way too many things, you know. And a lot of people... In, that you and I attract, I found are caregivers. You know, I, I, I train at the Cleveland Clinic, train at for Center for Brain Health, train their doctors, but not just that, and their patients, but their caregivers because they're the ones, and they're often women, you know, remarkable women, but they put themselves last, you know, and they're not taking care of themselves, and, and it's really hard to take care of other people when you feel when you're depleted. And but my my thing here is overcommitting to too many things, even if you minimize it on a computer or a laptop it's still taking up space right and bandwidth and people wonder why they can't remember things or they can't focus or they're they don't have the vitality or having mental fatigue simply because they're over obligated you know and you know as more successful you, you become you get more and more offers and opportunities and it's really hard but as the book says you know jim collins good to great say no to good so you can say yes to great but going back to this it's really about self-care you know part of self-love you know, self-care is not just getting body work and, and, and Reiki and, and meditating. Part of it is, is is making sure when you say yes to somebody or something, you're not consistently saying no to yourself. 
you know, that's part of self-care and self-love is setting boundaries and borders around, you know, you know, around our time, you know, around, around our focus, around our emotions also as well. Beautiful. Have you, uh, I'm just curious, have you resolved your sleep issues? It's gotten remarkably um, better uh, for, for a good five, six years. I mean, I was averaging 90 minutes, two hours Oof. a night and, you know, the cognitive uh, ramifications of that, you know, obviously, you know, all the benefits of, of sleep when it comes to, to brain and cleaning out, cleaning out plaque and consolidating short to long-term memories and even the power of dreams. I did do a whole section in this on how to remember your dreams because um, in our dream state, people don't realize when we sleep, our brains aren't shut off. They're, they're active still. And not only is it doing all those physiological functions, it's consolidating ideas and coming up with new ideas. Like I didn't realize this when I was doing research for the book that um, Paul McCartney came up with the yesterday, the, the song in his dream. Wow. Yeah. Frankenstein uh, came to Mary Shelley in a dream. Wow. You know, there are all these, uh, these sports um, uh, stories I heard. Uh, this, these are more anecdotal, but the um, where, you know, Jack Nicholas, he was shooting high 70s and, you know, was in this slump and this rut. And he had this dream about changing his uh, his grip and the next day shot 65. You know what I mean? Like our dreams, there's magnificent. Elias Howe created the sewing machine in his dream. A chemist came up with a framework for the periodic table in his dream. So what's everybody here dreaming about that, um, you know, you forget first thing in the morning. So my part of my morning routine Everybody has their their own morning routine, you know, that, that we hear about. Mine is really just priming my brain, and the first thing I do is I remember my dreams because I'm not looking for input in the you know that first half an hour. I'm looking for output, you know. I'm looking for like you know that beta, that, that theta state where I want to be more most creative. Um, but going back to this, um, you know, I've been able to do a number of things to help with my sleep, including surgery. I had this U triple P. Um, where they took out my uvula, my soft palate, my tonsils, because there was a clear obstruction. But all that time, the decade before, of not having it not diagnosed, um, created this, you know, like little, like this micro trauma in your brain. Mm-hmm. When you when you're waking up 14 times a night, because I, I would stop breathing 200 and and 40 times a night, and each time episode was like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I'd wake up suffocating. And the doctor at UCLA, the head of throat, um, was saying, "No wonder, you know, you're not." it's like somebody coming in and putting a pillow on your face, you know, 200 times a night, you know, so I would wake up and not be able to breathe. I would use a CPAP, a dental device, you know, cause we, you know, we know a lot of the, the and, but it's still, it was still, it wouldn't help, but, um, but it's better now. And that, and that's actually reason why I did the book because I would never, I could never commit to writing this book in that state when I was depleted and I was going through the sleep deprivation experiment, much less do the things like I'm doing now, traveling around and doing interviews and, yeah. and everything. So, yeah, you seem like you seem a lot more grounded, present, more, uh, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, having that degree of sleep difficulty and health for anyone who's dealing with any kind of health issues. Cause we all have, that's why kindness goes so far, be, you know, it's, it's so important because we never know the battles somebody is, is facing. Right. You know, especially in social media world, you know, where we, we don't, and it's not always shared and, and transparent, but it's just a reminder that kindness, kindness goes a, a long way that somebody could be fighting the battle of their lives. And there's this quote, I don't, I don't know who to attribute it to, um, but it's the, the idea that, you know, for somebody who has their health, they have a thousand dreams, mm. but somebody who doesn't have their health, they have one dream, mm. which is to get their health back. Right. And that, I love that, that. that's how I was with my sleep. It was like obsessed because it was impairing everything else. And that's what I feel like. And, but, but out of that birthed this book, 
you know, coming from that state, I, I didn't have the energy or the inclination. It was very difficult. So I was like, it's not a matter of resources. How do I harness these resources inside, these internal resources that we all have? And again, unlock this, this incredible potential. Dude, well, I'm so excited for the book. And just going back to dreams real quick, you know, I, I do sometimes get some of my best ideas, you know, metaphors that I'll use in my writing and what have you, uh, when I'm like laying down to sleep and I'm like the, probably the most relaxed that I'm going to be throughout mm -hmm. the day or when I'm just waking up. And so I think a really a useful tip and what I, what I actually do is I keep a pen and paper yeah. uh, by my bed. Not, you know, I mean, I do sleep with my cell phone with my with my phone by my bed occasionally but i don't i try not to use it as much in those sure. moments so it's really useful to keep a pen and paper so you can just write something down real yeah that, that would definitely be an important thing the other another idea is um is to just as you're reflecting on when you first wake up train yourself to keep your eyes closed because it helps you to to recall it call it better and then you can write them down but you know you kind of play through it um, and also talk about your dreams the more you share your dreams the more it is top of mind it's interesting because have you ever, and I'm sure people who are listening could relate, where you had to get up the next morning, especially early, and you're kind of stressing about a big meeting or you got to catch a plane and, you're, and you set the alarm, but because you're obsessing about it the night before, you wake up like two minutes before your alarm goes off. <laughs> you know, you ever set that intention? And that that's the power of the human mind. I mean, we are we are grossly underestimating our own capabilities. You know, And so you know, imagine if not only do you, if you had that experience, what if the night before you had a question that you just gave yourself you, and not obsessed about it, you release it. But what if you just gave yourself a suggestion, much like you would be to wake up at five o'clock or four thirty in the morning for that flight of something that you want to learn or that you want to work on. And then you wake up with those ideas. And, and, and that's something I do regularly that you could train your brain to be able to, to be creative. So cool. Limitless. Upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. It's out this week. Jim, dude, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, thank you. People could just go to limitlessbook.com, and then uh, we have some, some free amazing stuff for as a thank you for people getting the book and, uh, and resources. And, you know, the, this book for me, it, it, growing up as the boy with the broken brain, I just want to build better, brighter brains. You know, my, my motto and our mission is no brain left behind. And uh, if this book is supportive, and I would challenge everyone actually to take a screenshot of this episode in this video, tag Max, tag me in it on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, Facebook, and, uh, and share like, share one aha. Uh, I think one, another way of learning something faster is to teach it. Um, you know, when you learn with the intention of teaching, you learn to earn so you can return and you give back. And so if there's something you got value out of this conversation, post a screenshot or post, take a picture of your notes, put it on social media, tag us both. I'll repost some of my favorites. And, uh, and I'll, I'll actually even send a copy of the book to, 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 my, to my favorite, to the person <laughs> that posts it. So. You're the man. How, how generous. Um, well, I got one last question for you, yeah, uh, buddy. Mr. Quick. Um, what are your social media handles? Just for anybody who yeah, wants to. Yeah, it's at Jim Quick, everything. Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. At Jim, it's spelled right. K-W-I-K. -K, that's my real last name. <laughs> I change it to do what I do. Love it. What does it mean to you to live a genius life? Yeah. Wow. Okay. My answer right now would be for everybody, a genius life is the life that you do with, with, with intention, 
you know, not one of default. That if you look at anyone who's genius, and I'm not talking about IQ, but people are just extraordinary, um, you know, as a parent or, you know, in their emotions and their giving and in any area of endeavor, it's people living, living a, an intention life where they're conscious, you know, and, you know, life is, as we know, like, like life is not, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So my parting words would be like, you know, you know, fill your days with lots of things that matter to you. Lots of laughter, lots of love, lots of learning. I love that. What yeah. is that? I think I saw you post something. Maybe it was even today. I was on social yeah. media. The most important thing. Yeah. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. For me, geniuses prioritize and they get really good at the things that matter. And they, they put those those first things. They put it first. Boom. Love it. Thank you so much, Jim. And uh, to all you guys out there, you know I love you. I value your time and attention. Spread this episode of the show. Pick up Jim's book. It's called Limitless. Limitlessbook.com. And I will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.